Oh yeah. Let's talk about making love. No, not that kind of making love. Did you know that the average person only spends half a percent of their life having sex? Here at Making Love Today, we learn from couples about what they do with the other 99.5% of their time to create meaningful, deeply fulfilling, and long-lasting relationships. So listen up as we hear what our guest couples do outside the bedroom to make their love work. And now, here's your host, Patrick Perkins. Welcome all to Making Love Today, Episode 6. I'm your host, Patrick Perkins. I hope that you've already subscribed to this podcast, but if you haven't yet, don't worry, it's not too late. You can go ahead and do so now. While you're at it, also please go ahead and give us a five-star review, or better if you can figure out a way to do so. Both go a long way towards more people finding this show and having the opportunity to hear from these awesome couples just as you are. Today we have the pleasure of hearing from Josh and Megan, another great couple with some interesting insights into how they've made their relationship work. For some quick background information, the two of them have been married for just over 14 years and have three kids ranging in ages from 5 to 11. So they've been married for 14 years, but they've been a couple for 17. And interestingly enough, they didn't see each other for two straight years while they were together. So how do you build a relationship when you're not actually physically present with one another? Let's listen in and find out. Thank you both for being with me today. We have Josh and Megan here. Uh, my first question for the both of you is, tell me about your first date. I think you should tell that story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it's a good story, actually. It is. Josh and I met at SUU, Southern Utah University. We both lived in the dorms, and so we were friends-ish and had mutual friends. And the big thing in Cedar City at that time, it was 2001, everyone worked at a call center. Everyone worked after their classes at a call center for a couple hours. Josh and I, it was our second semester, we're both looking for a job. We got tipped off by friends that were working at this particular call center and said, let's go interview. And at the time, Josh didn't have a car. Our friend had got us an interview and our, a bunch of our friends worked from three to six o'clock. And that was the perfect window of like, oh, you can go work for a couple hours and then still like study and play and do whatever. And so we showed up to this interview and the lady who was interviewing us just automatically assumed that we would work from three to nine o'clock. That was the standard shift. And we found out on the spot in that interview that three to six o'clock was lucky and not the norm. The lady left and we both were like, we're not working from three to nine. And so all of a sudden we became a, a couple to the lady. I couldn't, I had a class that I had to be to and I was his ride. And so we couldn't do the three to nine and we kind of like finagled our way into like we had to be on the same schedule. And so we talked her into three to six. And because we had started a few weeks or months after the main crew, our cubicles were right next to each other. And so we would go to work together every day at three and I would drive them and we'd drive home at six and we really got to know each other sitting next to each other. And that job lasted like three weeks, three weeks. And Josh even quit for me. <laughs> she wanted me to quit for her. And I was like, I don't want to go say this isn't working out. But anyways, in those couple weeks, we just sat and chatted the entire three hours and 
had this mock life together. And in those three weeks, he had asked me on a date. So the funny thing about that is I had a crush on Megan before that a little bit. I liked Megan. I put the feelers out to her and she didn't respond at all. So I had given up at this point. I was like, there's nothing happening with me and Megan. So I was into her and she wasn't thinking she was into me until we started working together. I don't think I was a thought in Megan's mind. And in that time, we got to know each other really well. And Josh had asked me out. So on our first date, we went to Subway, got Subway sandwiches, and then we took our Subway to a park behind a Walmart. There was like a construction zone there and a big pile of junk and there was a wheelbarrow there. And we ended up starting a fire in this wheelbarrow in the park and we had a bunch of blankets out. We we ate our Subway and hung out until like 12 o'clock at night and I took her back to the dorm. And she was like, do you want to come in? And I was like, okay, it's like late, first date. She's like, why don't you come in and have some hot chocolate on her Coca Motion? <laughs> so she made hot chocolate. We're sitting in the dorm apartment area. And Hello, I just remember her continually pushing it out like, okay, here we are. It's one o'clock. Do you want to watch a movie? And I'm like, okay. And I just felt like I kept saying, okay, until we literally stayed up all night long. It was seven o'clock in the morning. People in the dorm, it was a Sunday. It was Super Bowl Sunday. People were getting up. And I just remember we hadn't touched the whole time. (laughs) And this is my favorite part. We hadn't touched the whole time. So it's kind of like getting lively. And it was like, okay, I'm going to go back home now. And I was like, do we give each other a hug? And I remember we hugged and it was like the most awkward hug. I remember Megan hugging me and just being like, That was like the most awkward hug in the entire world. I remember thinking like, does she know how to hug someone? Like that was just the worst. I take it your hugging skills have improved since then. They have, but Megan, she blames it because she didn't grow up in an affectionate family. Megan's come a long way in the hug department. She's gotten a lot better. Thanks, babe. I'm glad that your relationship has had more longevity than your uh, career as a telemarketer. Yes. So uh, going a little bit deeper on something you said there, you said you didn't really grow up in an affectionate family. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do you think that that has influenced you and how you approach your relationship now? Um, uh, A lot. We both grew up differently that way. We always mock him. He still kisses his grandma on the lips. And my house, there wasn't a lot of I love you's or affection or hugs. And his family was the opposite always hugging and Mm -hmm. physical touch it's affected our relationship a lot the funny thing about it is megan likes it she always likes to be huggy but it's not natural for Mm -hmm. her but when people do initiate it to you you value it and like it better than yeah i would say i'm out of my family of six people i'm probably the most sensitive that way where i yearned Mm -hmm. for that like Mm -hmm. i would have wanted that as a because your social circles now are more that way. And I want to be that way. Like we try to be that way with our kids. Like I would hope for my children in 10 years, they would say, I grew up in a affectionate home where I love you was common and mm-hmm. kiss goodnight and hug. That, that was all like a common But I would thing. definitely say I've definitely pushed Megan to that. She naturally resists it all the time. And I'm the driver. in that regard 
she doesn't naturally want to hold hands and I hold hands, you're good at like, you'll be like, come give me a kiss goodnight type thing. Yeah. But you're not like, but I don't think naturally she is comfortable just coming up and snuggling up to me or like, yeah, it, it, like it's PDA, out, she yeah. likes to do it, but it's out of her comfort zone. And sometimes because she knows I like it, she'll do it a little bit. And I know it's not her natural comfort, but she's not embarrassed by it. Like if I was to do it, it's not like she's like, don't touch me. Uh, but it's yeah. not her natural inclination to initiate it. Was that a difficult adjustment for both of you when you first got together and, and especially first got married? I think in our first dating thing, it just put off this vibe. Like I was hard to get. Like I wasn't the girl that just ran out and kissed the guy on the first date, it did not come easy mm-hmm, or natural mm-hmm, to me. And mm-hmm. so I think at first he had to soften me up a little bit mm-hmm. to not be so resistant to physical touch and not even on an intimate level, just like mm-hmm. the holding hands mm-hmm. and the side hug or mm-hmm. the random things you do when you date. But mm-hmm. as we got more comfortable with each other and dated longer and mm-hmm got closer to being married, it became more natural and normal. The interesting thing about Megan too is Megan's really outgoing and she connects with people really well, but Megan's not a flirt. When I think of her, even dating her or thinking of her before we were dating, she's really easy to give off a cold shoulder, even though she's really outgoing. She doesn't give the flirty, affectionate vibe. And I would say I am that way. I've always kind of been that way, more affectionately flirty. But it's, it hasn't been an issue because I know Megan likes it and wants it, so I know I can push on it. And I know I've come to accept that she's just not that way. It doesn't bug me. Sounds like it's something you've been able to recognize as a difference, but mm-hmm. then still be able to work through it and make it work for the both of you. Yeah. Talk a little bit about how your relationship progressed from that point forward. So we went on that date. We still continued to have that job. And we talked a lot during that job. And it was funny because we talked a lot about just like future, future, like what, how many kids do you want to have? It was pretty quick of us getting to know each other and talking about. Because you're literally sitting there for three hours. And and you're on the phone getting rejected off the phone, on the phone. So there's a lot of like. I just remember talking a lot about like, what's your favorite this? Why, how do you like this? How do you want to live? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Then we went on another date that next weekend, just kind of like a hike dinner date. And then I remember at the end of that, we still hadn't kissed. We held hands. It was a late night date again, like 2.30. Went back to our house. And I remember she called me at like 2.30 on our apartment phone. We didn't have cell phones then. And said, can you come over? And I was like, what's this going to be? So I came over and she totally was the define the relationship moment. She's like, so I need to know like what we're doing here. Like, are we like dating? So we decided to be boyfriend, girlfriend. And I remember I was a little hesitant because I was going on an LDS mission in seven months. And I was kind of like, is this really like what I should be wanting to do? I'm going to be leaving for two years. And then we still didn't kiss. I remember after that, it was kind of like this awkward moment. Like, okay, we still didn't kiss. <laughs> yeah. And we dated that whole semester. But then you got recruited to do summer sales in Rancho Cucamonga, California. And that's where I'm from. Not Rancho Cucamonga, I'm from California. And so it all worked out perfectly. 
we lived like 45 minutes away from each other during that summer before he left for two years on his mission. And so we kind of progressed super fast in that I would that say pretty way. typical in college, like any dating college couple. And then the fact that we both went to California was kind of like another step. Yeah. So we were pretty close by the time I left. Friends. Yeah, we were yeah. pretty we were pretty close at that point. So you say you then left for two years, yeah. right? Yeah. Did you stay um, committed to each other when you were gone, or how did that work? How did you guys maintain your relationship mm-hmm. while you were not an active part of her life for that time period? Mm-hmm. So Josh went to Pennsylvania for two years, and I was in between Utah and California. We wrote each other letters every single week for two years. Emailing wasn't a thing yet, but we hand wrote letters every single week for those two years and talked occasionally. But we were pretty committed. By the time he had left, we were pretty committed to each other. And I stayed busy. I joined the track team and went to New Zealand to where like dating wasn't a forefront for me. And we stayed pretty connected through those letters. And there was other random things. My dad, there was some estate auction that he went to out in Pennsylvania and took him out to dinner. Josh was really good at sending packages to my mom for my mom to give to me like a scavenger hunt. He tried on his end, knowing that he was helpless, that I could do whatever I want in that two years. He did what he could to try to like show his love for me in that time. We didn't like say that we're waiting or it wasn't that. I think we just really liked each other. And Megan was pretty loyal to like, we just liked each other. And I remember being out like seven months being like, this is crazy. I'm putting a lot of thought and effort into this. Like each week I'm writing these letters and I kind of felt the pressure of writing every week because I'm like, I don't want to lose her. And I knew she expected it. And I remember like, sending a tape going like, are we doing this? We're not going to do this. Let's just end this. And she kind of got mad at that. I remember listening to the tape her being like, who are you to say I'm supposed to commit to you right now? Give me a break. But at the same time, we're writing. This is fine. Like get over yourself. And then I was just like, I'll just do what I can to write her a letter each week and we'll see where it goes. But I remember really trying to be creative in how I was out there. But I remember like trying to think of ways that I could still impress her to keep her interested. At this point too, our families had interacted enough that I would go out to dinner with them and talk to his little sisters. And and there was enough of that, of our bonding from before Mm -hmm. the mission that kept us I had her aunt send her flowers once. We did put effort into it for sure. Yeah, and we had enough connection. Yeah, we were pretty committed for whatever reason. And we didn't even talk about it, but we did. We didn't miss one week on our mission. We wrote a letter every single week. It's pretty crazy. And then uh, he got married fairly shortly after that then? Yep, Josh got home in August. And at that point, we knew that things were still on the right track. I had continued to go to school in Cedar that whole time. So I was in my senior year and he came down in Cedar City and we dated that whole semester, got engaged in November. And then our wedding date was in February. That was that. 
That's right. And that was that. And, and that was that. And how long have you been married for now? 14 and a half years. So you mentioned when you were telemarketing together that you talked a lot about your future. How does the future that you talked about then compare to where you are now? It's funny if we, I would be interesting to have that record of that, but I would say pretty realistic. I remember we talked about, we both wanted three kids. I, we always talk about that. Now we have three kids now and that's kind of the plan. Yeah. Megan probably wanted to live in California at the time and that hasn't happened. Yeah. I and that say. was, that was probably a push for Megan for the first five years of our marriage. And then she decided that she really liked Utah and wanted to live in Utah and kind of gave up that desire. Yeah. And I wasn't opposed to coming to California. It just didn't work. It just didn't line up. We could have when she graduated and when I had had two years of college, but she decided to get a job in Salt Lake and I went to the University of Utah. And then when I graduated, she was like, I'm teaching school. Like I'm an elementary school teacher here. And so every time like where we had a juncture to maybe do that, it was Megan that always pushed to stay. That's what's so funny. She was like, well, no. I'm going to say push. It push, just but wasn't you, But at the easy... same time, you weren't for it. If yeah. I Because like, I was like, Do, should we look at California? And... I don't know if you ever said, should we look at California? No, but we California? did. But I remember looking at jobs in California and it just never. I had my elementary ed degree and I didn't. Well, I wasn't licensed in the state of California. And so that would have been another I don't want to say year of school, but more schooling and tests to be able to have a a license in California. It just wasn't natural and easy. So never fit the cards. But I would say, yeah, our little white picket fence American dream plan of sitting in our telemarketing thing has come to pass pretty much. (laughs) It sounds like it's tracked pretty well. It has tracked pretty well. It has. It really has. (laughs) You knew each other for about uh, three years in there in between meeting each other and getting married. Mm-hmm. And it's been 14 plus years since then. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about how the two of you have grown and changed from then to now. So we got married when we were 21. We were both 21 and that's super young. I was the baby of the family, of my family, and was pretty sheltered and naive and innocent to what the real world spoiled, taken care of always, never yes. had to worry about money or Real worry about world. much. Yeah, I never You're had really... to worry about much. I was really sheltered that way. And so I would say we've come a long way in getting married, the puppy love innocent, like, oh, nothing ever could go wrong. This is so fun and easy. And that a lot of growing up had to take place just because we did get married so young and I wasn't exposed to reality. But I've done a dang good job, (laughs) right? Growing up. The the funny thing too, I think that foundation of those three years has really influenced the culture of our relationship. Like the fact that we wrote a letter, we still have them and had to somehow carry on a relationship in that regard. And we both did a good job of writing letters in a way that there was substance to it. It wasn't just like, when I think of teenager love, there was something to like having to express yourself, be honest, talk straight. I don't know how to explain it really, but that has served to a foundation of our relationship or maybe even the commitment of that, that that took. I think the inner lines of that experience has shaped 
more than we probably even recognize our relationship now, just those things. Would you say, could you see that? Or am I stretching there? I've never thought of that before. I haven't either until now that I'm thinking of it. But I really do think all of that, we really pushed hard. Like there was a couple times on my mission where I felt like I need to somehow do something extra or she needs this or I don't know like I feel like that's contributed yeah so getting married young and growing up together in that way and becoming self-reliant and doing everything on our own I would say certain things that were the same I still like to surprise Megan she'll go out of town back to California and I'll oftentimes do some little home project or something and I did that a lot on our mission like to sending flowers or to send her mom something to give her for her birthday. I think my dad was that way a little bit. So that was part of my culture of just like how to love someone, I guess. And Megan likes her one of her love languages gifts. So I always feel like I'm fulfilling that when I do it. That's still something that's part of us. Yeah. We really haven't changed like where I'd be like, I was way this way and now I'm way that way. We've really just grown up and grown and matured. But I wouldn't say we're, we're totally that much different than we were when we were 19 years old. I'd say we view the world a lot different when it comes to lots of things. But physically, we were both worker-outers then and we're worker-outers now. Spiritually, I've always been someone that seeks spirituality. Like it's always been a strong part of my life. And I'd say Megan, it's always been part of her life's culture, but she was never attracted to it. Meaning like she's seeks it or likes to think deeply and I always was and that's still how it is today Megan gets annoyed by my deep conversations <laughs> I give them 10 <laughs> minutes like, you got 10 minutes <laughs> or like when I expound on things like it she doesn't care and I do care but she'll humor me sometimes and <laughs> even then she didn't care but she would humor me she doesn't really get into the deep things it's kind of like yeah whatever she doesn't get uptight about stuff and she didn't then but Megan's always been culturally I don't know if obedience the right word but she's always been not wanting to offend her social circles like I don't want to do something bad with a boy before marriage because I don't want to I don't want my sister my mom to know or my friends and that's really what's kept her from doing it not so much like God's going to come down and strike me or I don't want to do this or that in fear of than someone finding out that I did this and it ruins my reputation with them. That's really what keeps Megan in line to how she behaves. And me, I don't care about that. I want to do stuff because I feel like this is what I think is important or real. And so I don't feel so constrained, even though everybody is who isn't constrained by social pressures. But Megan's more constrained by that, but less so I would say in the last three years. She's let go a lot of those little guards. Would you say? Did I, was that about right? Yeah. Okay. You'd agree with that assessment then. <laughs> yeah. Just keep talking. No. <laughs> Want to make sure that you have your say too. That's so right. Yeah. Did I, did I, am, I, am I off point? Yeah. I don't mean to talk for you. No. Yeah. That's great. You are you. Of course. What are some of the challenges that you've had to face as a couple? I would say having kids is a challenge and something that really tests your relationship. I don't know if I've heard this a lot, but like 
oh, babies, they make everything happy and good and better. And having kids has definitely tested your relationship. I remember I had um, a really hard time having my first baby. It was really hard. Delivery didn't go as planned. Everything about it was hard. Postpartum stuff. And I, I would yell at Josh periodically. I am never having another kid with you again. Cause he just didn't get it as you don't. You're like a 25 year old, 24 year old guy never been around babies or kids and I'm trying to navigate it myself and I don't know why I would expect him to know how to naturally be a dad but that I feel like having kids made me go a little crazy and was really hard for us to adjust to it obviously that first one the most but having another one still that first few months is an adjustment for everyone and is really hard it got easier but it still isn't a cure-all to having love in the home like if anything it's a wedge having a baby for us for other people it could be different but it didn't it was, come like, naturally to us right. it was really hard you and with would... each baby it improved but it's still if i had a baby tomorrow it would still make me go crazy and put these expectations on him that he couldn't fulfill because I held mm-hmm. these high expectations and mm-hmm. it's hard. Mm-hmm. So as little as that sounds, adding each kid to our three kids is has been a hard, a mm-hmm. hard thing for us. I think Megan definitely held resentment towards me at times with that. It was hard. Always it was hard. It was stressful. It was just was never easy. And it was just a really stressful time with each baby. It's just hard. You talked about expectations. Can you talk a little bit more about what sort of expectations you had and how those were or weren't fulfilled? Yeah, I think you just think that he should know how to just be a dad, know what to do and how to step in and like how I'm drowning and Really, and... Megan likes her sleep and she wasn't getting sleep. <laughs> and the first one she breastfed and I couldn't help feed. And she was the only one having to wake up and I would sleep and she would get pissed off about it and hated it. So let's just be honest and tell it how it was. That's no, what it was. But then there's like that was... a minute where I want to leave and the baby's crying and he didn't know how to soothe her whatsoever. It would take me an hour to get the baby to bed at night and 30 minutes later the baby's awake and he can't go in and soothe the baby and so it was just draining so megan became a noise nazi from that experience and has ever since like you wake that baby you will die been all about quiet it's but like i said with each child with each child it's been a little easier i was like the baby's crying you can help her and he couldn't help her. And I was the only one. And I was just like, why can't you do this? Figure out a way to get the baby to be quiet. We always laugh because when your baby's not that easy, perfect angel baby, you automatically are like, call it, put all, like it has to have a problem. But looking back, we really think the problem was us and not the baby. That maybe she was a little more high maintenance and 
not colicky or whatever could have gone wrong, but it was just us trying to figure out how to be parents. And you look around and everyone else is doing it and they don't seem to have all these issues. And somehow we could not figure it out for a so long time. So it was a miracle that we had three kids. <laughs> yes. In the end, it wasn't, but it was like, Megan was never the type of mom that's like, I just want to have another one. I just missed the babies. It was like, no, I'm just glad I was able to get through three and feel like I got a little stash here. Yeah. From the beginning, our first time meeting, I mean, spending time together, it really was like, we want three kids and we're going to have three kids. Yeah. And that was just... So it wasn't ever like, let's, should we bring another one? It like really hasn't been that way. Yeah, there's another like, one Like I've always there. like, yeah, I'm always like, this is Megan's thing because she's the one doing it. And she's always kind of been set on three and she kind of like feels like she went through war and battle to do that. <laughs> that it's just like, I did it. I did it and I'm done. And I'm like, I don't know if how God tells you, you know, if you're supposed to have other more kids, but he doesn't talk to me that way. So peace out. I did it. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A uh, good thing you didn't initially talk about having 10 kids. Then. Yes, right? exactly. It's <laughs> exactly. true. And you said it's gotten easier with each kid. Do you think that's just because you've gotten better at being parents or just better at communicating or easier kids? All of the above. Our second kid was an angel. It was so much easier. I did get a prescription on to Prozac. I did go on Prozac for a couple months after our second, but yeah, just knowing how to be, you're just a little more relaxed. C-sections rocked my world. I wasn't one who like thought, Oh, I love it's so much easier. Like recovery was always the same, but knowing what to expect made things a little easier, but it's still a stressful time. Then you have a baby and you have a lunatic three-year-old who doesn't know what they want. And you're trying to navigate the three-year-old and the newborn and recovery and still trying to maintain a marriage. Like it's just hard. And whenever you see people struggling and they're are pregnant or have a baby, you're just like, good luck. Having that baby isn't the cure-all to a happy family. It just adds, it makes it hard. But I think knowing what to expect. Our third baby was tricky, but knowing that the time flies and that he's going to be a baby for two seconds, made it easy, made it like, okay, he's not going to cry forever. Like this is going to pass and this is going to, he'll be one before we know it and we can do this. And the funny thing is too, is the babies are so hard and they're not cure-alls, but then as they get older, it's like they are what make your family and you're so grateful for them and they are a cure-all in that sense. Yeah, they do. It's just that newborn phase for us was just so was really hard. Didn't come naturally. And as you move into that family stage Mm -hmm. um, with the kids getting older, how do you balance your relationship versus your family? Mm -hmm. We're pretty intentional about that, meaning we're good at going on dates. We're good at going on walks together. And we both recognize that you have to put time into your relationship. And I think like for us is we like to hang out together. We like honestly like to be together, even though we don't always like to be together. We like our independence. Megan likes her friends more than me a lot of the times. And (laughs) and I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? As long as I get a little something every once in a while, we go on trips together, just me and her every year often a couple times a year and we think that's important so we do that i think 
while our kids are still young, our oldest is 11, bedtime, we've always, I mean, we've never put our kids to bed at 7 p.m. We're not that type, but we've made it a point to where our kids are really good with bedtime and they know they go to bed, they don't come out of their rooms. And so Josh especially is really a stickler on bedtime so that when once the kids are in bed, we do have a couple hours to hang out, talk, and we like to go on walks every night when the weather's cooperating. Just little things. We don't even talk that much during the day while he's at work and I'm home. He might check in once. If that, we kind of just do our own thing Mm -hmm. during the day. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it works for us. What are some of the challenges you're facing now or any something that you're trying to work on together? What are we trying to work no, on we now don't talk together? About that very much. I think for me, a lot of working on things is trying to put habits in like I'm thinking of the word algorithm just because I've thought of that word a lot. Just systems in place that you don't really have to think about it and you just do it. That's how the family operates. I don't know if there's any certain challenges that we're working through right now. I think it's just maintaining, maintaining, trying to keep the kids on track to the things that they want to do and trying to juggle all the balls. Kids doing well at work, trying to take care of our bodies, trying to take care of our friendships and valuing those and just kind of keeping it all going, I I would say. one strength both of us have through our relationship is we don't get too uptight about anything so even if there is a little challenge here or there it never explodes we're always quick to let things slide and go and it's always addressed quickly and moved on so if there is any challenge nothing major has come to where I can even name anything because we are pretty quick to mend and move on and not let things fester. Yeah. And I would say too, that we're not scared to talk about things that maybe like, you'd be like, I don't know if she's going to be uncomfortable with this, or this isn't really her style. We're both pretty straight and being like, if this isn't your style, I don't care that like this is important to me. I want to address this because right now how we're behaving this way is annoying and ticking me off. And we're okay to talk like that. And we respect each other and go yeah okay good point i get it fair enough if you want to do that and that's how you want to operate i you know i feel like we're good at like debating and not beating around the bush holding things in yeah holding things in talk straight and move on yeah i would say we don't grip things too tight we're pretty easygoing sure that definitely helps a lot yeah it does working to wrap up here Mm -hmm. have just a few questions left What's a terrible piece of relationship advice you've heard before? (laughs) A terrible, uh, what is a terrible? The hard thing for me is things that don't work for me sometimes work for other people. Like I would go, people that separate money, it wouldn't work for us. And I think that's a terrible advice from my paradigms, how you should manage money as a marriage. But there's other people that work so good and it solved a lot of problems But for me, it wouldn't work. I've Um, never even thought of this question because the standard never go to bed angry. And we've gone to bed angry many a times. Many a times. And it's worked for us. (laughs) Which is so funny because I've never thought about this, but we, there gets a point where you're just tired and you're just fighting to fight and you're talking in circles and you're like, can we just go to bed? Talk about this 
tomorrow when we're awake and energized and refreshed, it's like 11 o'clock at night. And we're just like, what are we even talking about anymore? Like, good night. And like we said before, nothing is that important to fight over. We don't fight a lot and it's not worth it to fight over. And so when we find ourselves fighting at night, we're just like, let's talk about this tomorrow. Good night. What's some of the best relationship advice you've ever heard? I don't know. Make love often. (laughs) 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 Someone recently said, like a marriage therapist said, they were put on the spot. And it was humor, love, and communication. What makes a good marriage? And I I took that to heart. Like, oh, humor and communication. Those are two super important things. Laugh a lot and communicate. And, like, things should work out. And I'd also say, yeah, that's good. I think that's good. Laughing. Yeah. Good job. (laughs) No. I, if I was to give a couple's advice, if it wasn't just one-sided, because I think this is easily gets one-sided, would be if you can try to be as selfless as possible and think of the other person before yourself. The problem is, is sometimes you feel like you're doing that and your spouse isn't. But if you both really do that and you can talk about it and be open, like, feel like I'm being selfless and you're not. I think that's the way you make a marriage work is you have to think of their needs above your own needs. And if you're both doing that. It's not 50-50 is what people would say. Yeah, right. But if you talk about it. You're giving 100%. You're not giving 50% of yourself to make a marriage better. Like you are giving 100% of yourself. And if you feel that, like if I feel like she's doing that and she feels like I'm doing that, I feel like marriages work. And sometimes you have to give a little bit like you don't want to do that like you're like that's not how i roll but i know you roll that way so i'm gonna i'm gonna try to roll that way a little bit more and then if you connect however you connect as a couple like you have to do that regularly because if you don't you just start going in separate spots so connecting and caring about what the other person needs and trying to do that and humor. And humor. <laughs> and then moving into our last question here. I want each of you to take turns and tell the other one what you love about them. Oh. You first. <laughs> <laughs> what do I love about Megan most? The thing I think that is kind of like endearing to me with Megan is Megan does beat to her own drum. She is really good at just being who she is and not worrying so much about what everybody thinks. She has a sense of confidence about her that's way attractive to me. Meaning she just, she's she's who she is. I think it's attractive. And she's, she's also a babe, which helps. And she's a good mama. She's a good loyal spouse. Meaning that she is loyal in the fact that that's like one of Megan's good traits. Like she does care about other people and making them feel loved and cared for. That's what I'd say. Is that good? That's great, babe. Thanks. (laughs) Josh is, and I think it goes back to me being the baby of the family and him being the oldest in his family. He is nonstop hard worker all day long, like sunrise to sunset, even on Saturdays. He is out there getting stuff done, and that's super rare. I've 
found with talking with friends is he is mopping the floor, washing the windows, mowing the lawn, cooking dinner, taking kids everywhere. Like he is 100% hands-on. I'm not good at sitting still. He's not good at sitting still, which is an awesome trait when you love to sit still. <laughs> and she does like to sit still. <laughs> like the other night, like I'm like, what? we got like two hours. What should we do? And I was bored and I'm like kind of antsy. I'm like, should I make a pie for your lunch tomorrow? <laughs> you know, you have friends coming over. Like we got peaches. <laughs> and I'm like, babe, just relax. Like sit down. You don't have to always have a project going on. Getting your hands dirty, just hang out. But I think that's like a really noble trait to have because he is always getting stuff done and working hard and always trying to better himself and like setting goals and checking back on those goals. And I'm one of those goals and his family is one of those goals. And so he's always trying to make things better and be better. That's Josh. All right. Thanks, both of you. Really appreciate it. Been great talking to you today. Thank and you. thank you again. Yeah, thank you. Well, that's a wrap on another interview here at Making Love Today. Thanks again for listening. Just a reminder to tune into Wednesday's episode where marriage therapist Anne Brown will discuss what relationship strengths she observed in Megan and Josh, and more importantly, how we can apply those skills in our lives. Also, if you want to know more about this couple or just want to stay up to date on all of the relationship building projects we have in the works, be sure to visit us at makinglovetoday.com or on Facebook or Instagram at Rekindle Love Today. That's all for now, and until next time, be like Josh and Megan and go out and make love in your life.